What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW one heavyweight champion. The ECW. When you want to load down a professional wrestling, come right here to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> Well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. or just simply shutting oneself off from society. My father never gave me what I needed, so I understand what it's like to do without. They should understand this. They should give what's needed. I can see this. I can feel the pain. Why can't they understand? Quote the Raven, nevermore. Brought to you today and powered by ProWrestlingTees.com. Head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com and check out t-shirt stores from not only the two-man power trip of wrestling, but some of our greatest friends, including Kevin Thorne, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and Buff Daddy himself, Buff Bagwell. Get on over to Pro Wrestling Tees and find every single guy you could possibly think of on there and get their t-shirts today. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, today on the show, what a compliment to the two-man powership of wrestling library, as we can add one of the greatest minds in the history of the business, 
as we are joined by the one and only Raven today on the show. And Raven is definitely a guy who's been all over the world. Of course, we remember him prior to the days as Raven in the WWF as Johnny Polo. You remember him from his days in WCW as Scotty Flamingo. You remember his time in Portland. But it's Raven and the character of Raven that really just set him off with a rocket tied to his behind and took him to the moon because the Raven character in the mid-90s was something that nobody was doing and was such a dramatic change from the fun-loving and kind of goofy characters that he had played prior to adapting the Raven persona. And it's funny when you think about this interview and you think back to just having Kevin Sullivan on and these guys that can see the bigger picture of what's going on in professional wrestling. I I can't say without even hesitation, but we didn't even scratch the surface when it came to the topics that we wanted to get into with Raven because we just sat in the chairs and went to school as he broke down everything you could possibly think of when it comes to psychology, when it comes to selling, and when it comes to how the business has changed. Of course, it's a popular topic. It never goes out of style. But John, before we get into the nuts and bolts of Raven's career, It's a pretty nice feather in the cap of the two-man power trip of wrestling for a guy who does not do many interviews and for him to just go off on some of the, uh, I would say tangents, but some of the the topics that he does are are definitely worth the download. Yes, Chad back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling where we bring you the biggest and best interviews. And lately we have been absolutely on fire and that stops... Never, because right now we have on Raven, which is another fantastic episode from us, and just great to be able to talk to Raven, because when you look at the landscape out there, and you look at who has interviewed him as far as podcasts and radio shows, you don't see him doing many interviews outside of the uh, Chris Jericho's of the world, or you know maybe Vince Russo, or a couple of bigger name podcasts out there, so it was great to get Raven on board with us here at the Two Man Power Trip, as we continue growing and growing. And obviously, with Raven and with this interview, I have to be honest, and I, and I know you, you said it as well, we didn't even scratch the surface as far as picking his mind and picking his brain, but the you know, amount of time that we did spend with him was worth every single penny spent, if you will, you know, the old, the old saying, but it was worth every minute speaking with him. It was just awesome to chat with Raven, just absolutely loved it, you know, just giving us basically a piece of his brain you know you mention a topic like psychology and boom raven goes off you know you mention something like we did about squash matches and you get this whole great answer from raven about why they should or shouldn't do it so it's just always awesome you know when you speak to somebody you almost want to call him a genius if you will and with raven with wrestling and wrestling psychology he is basically a genius because, you know, like I said, even you small talk about these small, tiny little thing like, hey, Raven, why don't they do squash matches anymore? Then you get this great, great answer from him. It's just like unbelievable. Like, man, this guy is just a wrestling genius. So just love talking to Raven. Like I said, it's worth every minute of it talking to him. It's just awesome. And I wish we can get to pick his brain even more. And down the road, I think we definitely, definitely will get that chance. Because we only scratched the surface with picking his brain on topics such as selling, psychology, why certain guys do certain moves at certain times. I mean, he is just, if if, you, if you're out there and you're an aspiring wrestler or if you're just a young fan that's trying to learn something about the business, just listen to what Raven has to say, write it down, memorize it, whatever you got to do, because he really is a wealth of wrestling knowledge. 
Yeah, without a doubt. He's one of the greatest minds in the history of the business. I can't repeat that enough. And he's just somebody that when you watch his stuff, you know that he's put a lot of time into it. And he always methodically thinks out each step. He's not somebody who's going to rush into something. And that really showed in that Raven promo, the Raven style, the Raven look. And you'll hear about the Raven look. But one thing that you always know about Raven is he's very outspoken and does not really care who he's going to offend and that's what I really love about what he touches on in the interview, because if you saw it come out about a week ago, he's going to be a part of the WWE's new Hardcore History DVD, where himself, uh, Mick Foley, and also Rob Van Dam sit down in a table for three style and kind of go back in the history of WWE's Hardcore Division, which, of course, was a big, you know, a little bit controversial at the time because it was a direct you know, descendant of ECW's hardcore division, which was a direct descendant of other things. I know, John, that's one of your uh, biggest bones to pick with ECW. But, you know, Raven is definitely somebody who, from the WWE perspective, is very outspoken and very critical. And you'll hear some of his thoughts about current day wrestling. But I thought it was an interesting ad that he was brought into the uh, to the mix for that hardcore DVD. Um, the hardcore championship definitely looked back uh, with a lot fonder glasses than I think it was appreciated at the time because it was a little uh, got a little hokey, a little goofy. But John, what do you think about Raven's addition into this WWE Hardcore DVD and the kind of retrospective view everybody has about the Hardcore division? And it's kind of given a little bit more of a positive light than I think it was uh, given when it was sent off in 2002. One thing we definitely had a great time talking to him about was hardcore and hardcore wrestling and the psychology behind hardcore wrestling. Obviously, there's two different, completely different hardcores that people remember. You got the real hardcore, which is the ECW style, and then you have the WWE hardcore style, which is a little bit more jokey, a little bit more comical, a little bit more, I guess you could say, 24-7. And they recently put out a DVD. Obviously, Raven is part of the table for three and kind of part of the host of the WWE hardcore DVD that is coming out. And it's very interesting to get his kind of thoughts on not only that DVD, but WWE's hardcore. Like we've mentioned in the interview, he's a 27-time hardcore champion. He jokingly says he's more like 38-time hardcore champion, which is just absolutely great because he's saying that uh, some of them aren't actually being you know, kept track of and that he won more on house shows and stuff. So you, know, you just get some great, typical, funny, uh, quirky little Raven lines in there. But you think about WWE's hardcore, and they did kind of make it jokey. And obviously Crash Holly, you know, beating the guy up in the jungle gym. Patterson and Briscoe winning the titles, you know, it being flip-flop back and forth a million times. And basically, if you look at the whole time the Hardcore Championship was around, there was like a hundred and something title reigns. So, I mean, just in, in pure insanity as far as that title is concerned. So then you go to the legacy of ECW, and you think about Hardcore Wrestling. And that's kind of what the real Hardcore Wrestling was all about, and that style they didn't invent it. I mean, go back down to Florida, and I've said it on the show many times. Go back down and watch Memphis, and you'll see where Heyman kind of got that style from, or he adapted or he borrowed it from. Even some of the old NWA matches, or if you if you look at some of the Japan matches, I mean, it, it's all around the place. Look at some old St. Louis stuff. Hardcore was always around. It was always pre uh, prevalent and present, but ECW kind of took it and made it extreme, and they, they took it and took the ball with it. And there's two guys, to me, when you look back at ECW's legacy and you're like, wow, what a run. The franchise, Shane Douglas, who obviously is a really good friend of the show, without him, without that awesome promo, without his basically undeniable talent, ECW probably wouldn't end up where it did. And then the number two guy, I would have to say, would be 
our guest today, Raven. And he really, really just showed you a different level of character, a different level of psychology, a whole new facet to his game. It was just unbelievable. And he made ECW so interesting. I mean, you had a guy like Tommy Dreamer, who he made, basically, in, in my view, he kind of made Tommy Dreamer. And he made him be, you know, somewhat cool or the, you know, the ultimate underdog. And that was all due to Raven and, and that feud. And then he had a guy like Sandman who, you know, let's be honest, not the greatest professional wrestler of all time, but good character. He had charisma. The fans loved him. There was something about him. And of course, when you rooted for him, it was so much because you hated Raven and you were rooting against Raven. So Raven's so much to do with a lot of building up to a lot of the guys, Stevie Richards, the BWO. He built up so many guys in ECW. And I felt like that hardcore legacy and everything that ECW was about was really in essence and in part due to Raven being such a great character and being such a great professional Exactly, wrestler. and what ECW was not really known for was a great professional wrestling product, but it had its moments with some of the uh, the technical wrestlers in there, especially in that 1995 era where you had your Dean Malenko's and Eddie Guerrero's and Chris Benoit's, and then a little bit of Chris Jericho sprinkled in there, and then, of course, they brought in the Luchadors, so there was some great professional wrestling going on, but it was always about the hardcore, and I think that if you left ECW, in 1997 or 1998 you were branded as just a hardcore wrestler and with Raven departing ECW and heading to WCW in 1997 if you remember it was a big deal when Raven jumped to WCW it was it was actually on par with Kurt Hennig's debut on WCW Nitro at the end of a Nitro which I remember I was uh, on vacation in Columbia South Carolina at the time watching it and flipping out that not only was Kurt Hennig with there but Raven had showed up as well and I think lost in the shuffle of his time in ECW is Raven's run in WCW because I think it gave him a better opportunity to shed the ECW blanket and kind of show himself back off as a guy who can have very good matches, can just be the master of psychology. And when you put a couple of guys around him, it makes his gimmick and it makes his, you know, David Koresh style leader uh, aspect of his character just, it makes him look so much better. And uh, I thought Raven really thrived in WCW. And, John, of course, with you, you love WCW. And looking back, Raven's time there is definitely a standout. And that United States Championship division in 1997 and 1998 was stacked. And it seemed like every single guy they put in that division or they put up in those matches was having some just absolutely unbelievable contests. And really, at one point, was the best part of Monday Nitro. You know, talking about Raven and ECW and how awesome he was and how awesome the character was, and a lot of people kind of forget this, and I know, you know, maybe people won't want to admit it or not, but Raven and WCW, if you go back and you watch him, we don't really get to talk about this too much in the interview, but I felt like I just had to say it. You know, him and the EC, uh, WCW, if you go back and you watch it, that was some of his best in-ring stuff to me. I just thought it was awesome. I thought that he was really pulling out all stops. If, he, if you go back and watch a few with DDP, Utterly awesome. Just some great matches. Uh, Goldberg, probably arguably his second greatest match ever. Obviously, if you're a real big WCW fan like I am, you know that Scotty Steiner was probably Goldberg's best match. But Raven is right there. They had a great match on Nitro. They had a couple really good matches. And if you think about it, Raven was able to get a lot out of Goldberg that a lot of other guys weren't able to get. Then you got, which totally puts it over the top for me, the Chris Benoit feud and what those two were able to put out there. So I just love 
Raven and WCW. I know a lot of people might disagree or say this and that about it. I just thought he was put himself over the top as far as a wrestler and a performer at that point. And then obviously, you know, the little bit of the comedy aspect, he did that whole angle where he was the rich guy and he was the upper class and everything like that. So he was able to show you his range of characters. And if you didn't already know from him playing Johnny Polo and Scotty Flamingo and all those other things, that this guy can play so many different characters and he's so in tune with the wrestling business that he hits them all out of the park. So me being a big WCW fan I was I mean I had to just throw that out there that not only was Raven just the man in ECW I felt like he had such an underrated run in WCW and he was so good in WCW and then you go to his TNA run where he just completely puts it over the top and was having great matches he had the building down there in Nashville he had that sold out all the time so I mean he was just on fire in TNA so I felt like ECW wasn't just his legacy. His whole career is his whole legacy because he was able to be one of the greatest ever in the history of the game. Absolutely. Cannot forget Raven's debut in TNA. It's one of the standout moments of that early TNA run when he comes in and hijacks the NWA title. It was so cool, especially leaving the WWE when he did at that point at the end of 2002 where he was definitely being underused. He was definitely kind of floundering. And uh, you're going to hear a little bit about his frustration with that, but that TNA debut, go check it out if you haven't seen it in a long time. It's quite explosive, and of course you get to hear a little bit of the great Don West on uh, color commentary uh, screaming his ass off. So with that being said, today's episode is brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com. Go on over and check out Raven's store on ProWrestlingTees.com and check out stores from some of our greatest guys like Buff Bagwell and Kevin Thorne as well as Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And I know you're going to head over after that and check out the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling store and check out our awesome Coliseum video style logo. I know we uh, just had our two-man power trip of wrestling shirts out at the Legends of the Ring convention this past weekend in Monroe, New Jersey. Appreciate the kind words to anybody who stopped by and said they liked the logo. Well, get ready for the Coliseum video logo that is on ProWrestlingTees.com. And with that being said, enjoy the episode. Enjoy Raven. Let us know what you think. If you've just discovered the show, why don't you hit us up? I've heard from a lot of great people lately, especially from over there in Australia. Thank you so much for listening. And please do not hesitate to contact us for anything. And you'll get all that information from John and the two-man power trip of wrestling business. So, John, do what you do best. Hit him with it and get it on over to Raven. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We are releasing the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on there, please check out the feed for prior great episodes with the late American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Jesse the Body Ventura, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the phenomenal AJ Styles, the Demon. Glenn Kane Jacobs, The Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Stan the Laird Hansen, and many, many more. Also, please check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. You can now check us out on Google Play, as well as Player FM and the i95 Sports Network. For any bookings, please hit up our email, bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com for any of your booking needs. 
Also, check out our store on ProWrestlingTees.com. It is new and it is awesome. So please check it out as ProWrestlingTees.com. Also, while you're there, check out the Kevin Thorne page as well as the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff page and the coming soon, the Buff Bagwell page. So please check that out on ProWrestlingTees.com. And now, without any further ado, the former 27-time WWE Hardcore Champion, the former WCW United States as well as Tag Team Champion, a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and of course, a two-time former ECW World Heavyweight Champion. He is the master of psychology. He is one of the greatest. He is Raven. Please enjoy. You gotta keep them separated. We didn't get to it, but I really was dying to know who created that character per se, and like where, where did that come from? I was, I've always been dying to know the real answer on that. Oh, I created it. Um, the uh, I was uh, I was already basically it's myself multiplied. You know, it's like you know the best characters are the ones that are based on who you really are, and as much as I have a side. It's very uh, silly and funny. Um, you know, I also have a, a side that's, you know, a very tortured, you know, poetic soul. And that's the side I never showed anybody because I, you know, I put a wall up. And that's why, you know, I, I just came across as a dick to everybody because I put a wall up. And, uh, but I was always came across as a funny, as a, like, funny, ha-ha, you know, jokester um, that didn't care about anything. And, you know, inside, though, you know, I would suffer in silence, so to speak. And I finally decided to show that part of me as a character. And uh, and it's been quite uh, effective. And, I, and I'm quite happy with it, you know. Was it like a uh, Edgar Allan Poe kind of influence or? No, I'm not really I'm not really a fan of his. It's more that uh, basically when I put the costume together, um, I was trying to think of uh, – uh, a name and a catchphrase, and it, and honestly, it came to me. The outfit, the name, and the catchphrase all came to me in like in like fire, literally under a minute, um, under two minutes. I uh, knew it had to have ripped jean shorts, so I cut them down to the knee, and I knew that was right. Um, I had my Doc Martens with a wrestling sole put on them, um, and then I knew I wanted to wear a, a flannel, so I tied that. At first, I put it on the sleeves but then I looked like Big Josh so that was wrong and then I just <laughs> tied it around my waist tied it around my waist that was perfect and then I was like you know this needs a shirt because that way I got big arms and shoulders but you know I still have you know a belly um, and I have no chest so I cut off some rock and roll so, I mean I, I had so many shirts that had the sleeves cut off already you know rock shirts concert shirts 
So I just put one of those on and then grabbed the leather jacket, which I always wore anyway. And then basically I was like, well, this is pretty much what I normally wear other than you know, I don't know. I don't normally wear the flannel around my waist and usually my jeans are, you know, aren't cut off. They're just long jeans, but basically I'm wearing the same thing I normally wear everywhere. So it wasn't much of a stretch. And then I was like, well, I need a name. And then I was like, and I thought of the movie, uh, the crow. And I was like, What's his name? Eric Draven. Draven Raven. Quote the Raven nevermore. And it was that quick. You know, sometimes inspiration hits you. Boom. <laughs> boom. It also inspires uh, high school uh, Halloween costumes when uh, you're in the middle of the uh, heyday of ECW. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, maybe I'll dig up the picture and bring it Saturday. Yeah, please. Bring it Saturday. I don't know if I want to show it, but definitely, yeah, the jeans. I think I even threw uh, tape and elbow pads, so or knee pads. I can't remember. So there you go. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right without the tape and the elbow and knee pads. That that's what the kind of funny. Like if I wear it with if like I've done shows without you know, or like I take it done photos shoots where you have to you know you got to get dressed early, and uh, I don't bother putting the knee pads on, uh, or at least at first I used to not at first until I saw around the pictures with them and it just, it looked weird with no knee pads for some reason. And then without elbow pads and tape, it, it doesn't have the full armor effect. Like the whole thing looks like a, like armor in a way to me. But if you take the elbow pads, the knee pads and the tape off, it, it doesn't look, it doesn't have that, that strength. Totally agree. And when you throw short not- hair and glasses, it, uh, it makes it even worse. So, uh, <laughs> Well, not really. You could, you know, guess we've had on, but John and I have this little uh, list that we always refer to, and we have those untouchable guys that we just we want to get on, and we hope in every way, shape, or form it's possible. And today, when I look at the call sheet, I see a two-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, a 27-time WWE Hardcore Champion, a former NWA Heavyweight Champion, and the WCW United States tag team and light heavyweight champion he's an ecw original he is the one and only raven thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling thank you man and i want to say that uh i just want to say that of uh, all the shows that i have done and that uh well and i've done a lot of shows yours is far and away the most recent <laughs> well that's awesome that sounds good to me i'll take that Hey, take what you can get, you know, take them as you see them or whatever. But I'll tell you what, you know, you've got such a career that, you know, where do we start? Where do we, uh, you know, where do we go off the top? But the one thing I want to start with is the fact that I just saw the trailer today for the WWE's new hardcore championship DVD. And there's Raven right in the middle of it, which is very cool to see from the WWE point of view. Uh, how is putting that together? It's got a really cool vibe with you, RVD, and Mick Foley, and obviously a 27-time hardcore champion. My goodness, uh, I guess it was good to go back down memory lane with those guys. It was actually 39. Uh, for some reason, they refused to acknowledge uh, 12 of the title reigns. But uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, I mean, you know, the hardcore championship, WWE, that still to me is like a, you know, purist. It's still something that doesn't really sit uh, right, obviously, with uh, WWE not really always being known for the hardcore 
uh, nature of it. But looking back at it, here we are, you know, 10, 12, you know, 13 years later. Did you think the hardcore division could have taken off the way it had? And now that there's a nostalgia for WWE hardcore? Well, here's the thing is the problem why hardcore style burns out and why it gets a bad rap is because most people don't, they usually take guys who they're not pushing anyway and stick them in the division. As an example, me, they weren't, you know, they weren't using me at all. And uh, so they shoved me in there just to give me something to do because they didn't want to give, they didn't want to give me much to do, but they figured, well, we got them. We might as well do something with them. Um, And then they, you know, and then Vince saw that I excelled at it, so yeah, I guess he told him to keep doing it. But the um, the problem is, is most guys who do it, like I said, a are usually not guys who they're trying to push, so that waters it down. So, and the majority of guys they're not pushing also don't have the greatest psychology, coupled with the fact that most people throw all psychology out the window in a hardcore match which makes no sense because it's still a match. It still has to build to a climax. It still has to have, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like a three-act play, just like a book, just like a movie, just like any story. Unfortunately, it doesn't in 90% of the cases, and so it's uh, like a big car crash, which is great to have one car crash, you know, every so often, but you know, you can only have so many car crashes. If, if everybody crashed at NASCAR, if there were 10 crashes a night, in an action, and, and yeah, as much as people go to NASCAR to see the races, I mean, to see the, the car, you know, the, 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 old, the old slogan is, you know, people go to NASCAR not for the races, but to see the crashes. But I, can, I guarantee if there were 10, 15 crashes on a, in, a, in one race, people would be like, ah, oh, come on, you're killing the race. You know, it'd just be overkill. You know, as much as it's exciting to see a crash, you know, it would just get the, – the race would slow down because there'd be a whatever flag there is because I don't, I don't know because I don't watch NASCAR. But, uh, you know, so the whole proceedings would slow, would grind to a halt. And so, unfortunately, other than me and a handful of others that uh, put actual psychology into a match – with a hardcore, you know, in the hardcore uh, genre, so to speak, uh, you're not going to get good hardcore matches. You're just going to get, you know, bing, bang, bongs, you know, and they'll be interesting, you know, every time you put a new character in there for a couple matches, but then that they've ran their course. You know, it, it's the same reason why, you know, the stars – the guys who are the top guys and some of the guys who should be top guys and the guys who should be top guys, you know, even though they have a, let's say you take a guy with a minimal move set and he'll, and then you wonder why, how can he keep having great matches even though he only has a minimal move set because he knows how to have a great match because of his storytelling and his psychology. And nobody brings that to hardcore. And that's why I think Terry Funk, uh, What's that? I think no, no, that I think your phone cracked. You're good. Oh, I think the reason Terry Funk loved it, and the same reason I do, is because in a match you have three people. You have you, your opponent, and the ref. So you have three people to make the excitement. In a tag match, you have five people. You have two tag, two teams, and and the ref to make the excitement. 
Uh, and to be honest, I really enjoy tag matches. I, I'd rather be a singles guy because I prefer the glory for myself, but I really enjoy doing tags. Um, but in hardcore matches, you have all the weaponry and all the creative ways you can use it. So by virtue of using them, by the virtue of now it's not just limited to the three of you, you ref and the other guy, it's the three of you plus the plus the pots, the pans, the chairs, the the stops, the this, the that, you know. And the creative level you can you can make is head and shoulders um, above anything else. And so, you know, I mean that's that's why the guys who make all nonstop high spots they're just trying to be more creative uh, to cover up their lack of psychology. They figure, well, I mean, not to, don't get me wrong, if I could do all those crazy moves, I would do them. I just wouldn't do them all at one, in one match. You know, I would do them, you know, I'd spread them out, you know, so they would be used sparingly, and I would build to each spot. I wouldn't just throw eight million spots in a row. And that's why those have become like a, like a hardcore match in the same way as a car crash, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the whole thing is you're trying to create excitement for the fans to enjoy, but the key is drama and storytelling, you know? And the problem is, is most wrestling doesn't have good drama or storytelling, which also goes to the selling, uh, which is a whole other topic. Oh, and a topic well, that we also, have. Oh, that was the other thing. Most hardcore matches, nobody sells anything. So it's like, what's the point? You know, you get hit with something, you go down for a second, and as soon as it's your turn, you know, it's kind of like most matches. Whenever it's like, whenever somebody stops hitting you, you decide it's your turn, so you're going to stop selling what they did to you, and now it's my turn. But that's not how it should work. You know, it shouldn't be turns. It should be you beat me up, I'm half beat up, and I'm showing the fact that I'm half beat up, and somehow, gradually, I recover but I never fully recover. And if you watch the best, I mean, the best of all time, they never fully recover from beatings, you know. And and the, the most dramatic people to watch were the ones who are still selling when the match is over. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about how even in ECW, you know, not every match had the hardcore element. There were matches that had a lot of psychology and a lot of mat work, and they really were – you know, feuds and definitely little, uh, you know, matches that stood out to you based off of them being different. But when WWE adapts a hardcore style, and obviously you get the glitz, the glamour, and the movie making of the mind of Vince McMahon, and you throw the hardcore aspect into it, do you think it got a little bit over the top, and that's kind of why it wore its welcome out after a while? Um, well, two things is what ECW did was they showed clips. so they, You didn't see the whole thing, so you didn't get you didn't get all the you know all the over the top or the too much or the you know or the lack of psychology you didn't see that and just like and, and a lot of the mad wrestling had really piss poor psychology there but Paulie hit it Paulie was a genius at, at accentuating the strengths and hiding the weaknesses um the wwe you see everything because vince does you know he doesn't show clips he shows whole matches so you're going to see everything, and so it's exposed warts and all, but really it's exposing the guys doing it. Um, 
But that being said, a lot of guys got overdoing it, um, but they never pushed it either, you know. So it, how can anything ever really get over if it's not pushed? No matter how, no matter how well it's performed, if it's not pushed, it's not getting over. That's a very, very good point. That's definitely true. And, you know, you hit something that is so true when you mentioned selling and kind of where the business is today. And a lot of the guys that we've had on, we, uh, specifically Jerry Lynn, and we had Justin Incredible talking about it, the selling today isn't like it was. What is your thoughts on, you know, modern wrestling and the fact that selling has kind of been pushed to the wayside? Well, you know how people always say, oh, I don't watch today's wrestling. Well, I, mm-hmm. I actually don't. I, I actually don't. I stopped watching in 2000. Um, and uh, it's just because Raw was just so bad at that point, and I was so depressed because they weren't using me worth a crap, and I just broke my heart that I stopped watching it. And then I got to TNA, and, you know, some of it was good, but I was there at the show, so I watched while I was at the show, and uh, I wasn't going to go home and watch what I missed, you know. Um, and then I, and I just didn't go back. I didn't watch WWE anymore. Because they, you know, they burnt me out, and then I never started watching it again. Um, I've seen a few uh, pay-per-views, you know, in the last ten years because I've been a host at a pay-per-view party. So, you know, if I'm there, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to turn my back to it and stick my ears and my my thumbs in my ears. But uh, so, but for the most part, I have no idea uh, what it really looks like. You know, like, I keep up with the business because it's what I do, you know, for a living. So I keep up with it. You know, I have somebody who sends me, like, you know, what what basic, the, the basic plot points, you know, of uh, what happened on Raw, you know, and, uh, you know, the general tone of what's going on with wrestling. So I just know where things are at. But, like, you know, I guess I kept, he kept putting over this group the New Day, and I was like, so I'm like, all right, that sounds pretty interesting, but I have no idea. If I if I bumped into them tomorrow at the mall, would have no idea who they are. You know, I mean, and that's not an insult. It's because I've never, I just don't watch it, and I don't have any interest in in watching it. Um, and that's for a couple reasons: a, because I I lost interest, like I said, but b, there's way too much. I mean, you know, when I was a kid. You were when I was a kid in my day. You were lucky to get one match with two stars in it, um, because it was all squash matches. And there might be an angle, or there might be a match with stars in it. But you you'd watch a whole hour show to get to that. Now, you know, you you have to wade through what is it? Three hours, three hours yep. for potential good stuff. I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of interest. And three hours is too long for a show anyway. You know, frankly, an hour and a half is the perfect wrestling show. Two hours is too long. One hour is not enough. But unfortunately, nobody books shows an hour and a half, you know, time slots. But an hour and a half is perfect, you know. It, it leaves people wanting more. Two hours leaves them satiated, maybe a little too much. But three hours leaves them just Oh, you know, like if you've eaten a meal and you just, oh, I ate way too much and I don't feel good. And, and that shows in the ratings. The third hour is always the worst hour. Mm, true. And the ratings are kind of going and, down, and down, that's down. That's what I, I, keep up, I keep up with. Like I said, I keep up with the business, end of the business, but I don't watch the business as a entertainment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, like the way the business is, you're saying you don't kind of watch it. And obviously the ratings kind of show a lot of other people to stop watching it. So it's funny, it's more accessible, yet it seems like it's not, you know, there aren't as many fans as there used to be. And you were saying how the squash matches have kind of gone away. Do you think that's something that they need to bring back to elevate no, guys to squash matches? No, you couldn't. You know, you couldn't bring it back. What, what what the problem is, if you brought back squash matches, then you'd really lose your audience because people are so accustomed to seeing named guys fight named guys that if you or that if you had segments where, you know, multiple segments where a guy fights a nobody, people would just turn out in droves um, or turn off in droves. The problem is, is well, there's a lot of problems, but I'll give you what I think are the couple major problems. One is, is that the 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 uh, general managers, I guess, Hunter and Stephanie characters, are way more powerful than everybody else. And so, you know, and they, I guess, they basically masculated Rollins when he was a champion. And and Rollins, I wouldn't even know if I if I saw if I bumped into him in a bar, I wouldn't even know what he looks like. But like I said, I followed <laughs> it. I mean, but I, you know, it's a shame, but I, that's the way it is. But he um. But the way they emasculated him, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, this is ridiculous. You can't – the champion should be the toughest or the strongest or the most badass guy there. He shouldn't be kowtowing to the owner, you know. And uh, and also, they've made it about – and I understand why Vince does, does it. They've made it about the company, not about the individual players. And so by making it about the company, it's all about WWE. That way you can lose any people and it's not going to harm the company. You know, it's not going to take away from the, the, you know, the, 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 the ratings, the draw, the money drawing. What's that? What's oh, that? nothing. Oh, nothing. No, no, keep going. All right. So it's not going to take away from the, the money drawing aspects or the ratings, but by, by not having, Guys like The Rock or Austin or Dusty Rhodes or Jim Londos or, you know, major, major stars who are stars above and beyond the show um, or just such big stars on the show, they draw the, you know, it's like the UFC is big and they draw X amount of uh, pay-per-view buy rates to every show regardless of, you know, there's a bottom line that they'll draw with the worst pay-per-view draw. But if you put in a really good draw like Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey, you'll draw way more. Just like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Money, the boxer. Uh, what the hell's his name? Um, Floyd Money Mayweather. Floyd Money Mayweather. Just like Mayweather. Unbelievable. You put him against the right opponent, and they drew like, what, 2 million, uh, buy rate, two million yep. uh, people by rate? Unbelievable. Yep. But you put him against the shitty opponent, and he drew like, what, 400,000? Exactly. Um, you know, so it's a huge difference, and so they don't have any. They they haven't been able to or unwilling to create a star that, you know. And sometimes it's just the fact that they, even if I think even if there was somebody ready to break out, I would never let them break out above a certain point. Which is why I think Stephanie and Hunter are are pigeonholed at the top because that way nobody can ever walk away with the production like you know like it was Hogan it was all about Hogan for years and the minute Hogan wasn't selling on you know wasn't there on top 
cratered. And so I think that's why they do what they do, but it also keeps you from making a ton of money. But by the same token, he's a billionaire. So does he need any more money? No. So, you know, so it's like, I mean, on one hand, it sucks big time. But on the other hand, I respect the fact that this company can do what the hell he wants with it. Hmm. It's interesting. You you made some good points. Just one last point, and then I got to go. But it's like when – when they uh, – oh, what was it? Um, oh, crap. I lost my train of thought. Um, hang on. Wait a sec. When they um, – oh, when they when he opened the XFL, thought it was the dumbest idea ever, and I knew it wouldn't make a dime. But I respected the fact that he was willing to spend his money because it's his money. What's he going to do with it? Is he going to die with all of it? No. So – and no matter how much money he invested in it, he was still going to have a shit ton of money. And, you know, rather than just sitting on his tower of money, he spent it. What I, and so I respect the hell out of that. He gave it a shot. What I disrespect the hell out of is then he took it out of everybody's paycheck to pay for it because I know my check, I was there at that time, and my check went from a number to, to basically half that number the next year. And I think every and the people I've talked to, same thing happened. And I think that's pretty much that he basically cut everybody's pay to pay for to pay for what he would have lost out of pocket. And that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, that, <laughs> definitely. And what a way to uh, to wrap it up. But Raven, before we let you go, just please share with the listeners where they can uh, find the great Raven on the uh, the interwebs and find out everything there is to know about one of the greatest minds in the history of the business. I have, uh, I don't really participate on, uh, on social media because I'm a Luddite. And, uh, I, you know, it's like, it's too consume. Like Twitter is just too consuming. If I go on it, I want to make fun of everybody. And, uh, and it just, I don't have the time, you know, to do that. I mean, I do have the time, but I'd much rather spend it in other ways. Um, so I really don't, you know, my uh, my uh, website uh, manage uh, manager, he take he you know writes in there some every so often. Every so often I'll put something on Facebook if I see something, you know, like I don't go in there much. But if somebody sends me a you know, you know, uh, what is it a private thing, a message or something, then I'll go on there and then if I and I'll look around for a few minutes and I'll post something that you know might track my eye but honestly i go on there maybe once every four months um on facebook uh, twitter i haven't been on in years uh yeah i wouldn't even know that myspace was not even cool if uh if, if my best friend hadn't had told me um because i asked her about it uh six months ago and she's like nobody uses myspace i'm like how would i know she's like yeah good point um <laughs> So uh, I wonder what happened to that, too. I wonder how they just got jobbed out. That would be probably an interesting story. Oh, I'll tell you exactly what it was, um, if, you, if you got a sec. They basically <laughs> – so they, they they went from it being, you know, the uh, the one-on-one connecting with, your, you know, your friends, your top eight and whatever that stuff was, to literally it just got flooded with marketing and bands and movies and, you know, just a bunch of uh, propaganda, which is crazy because that's exactly what Facebook is now, but that's why everybody got off MySpace. That's what I was going to say. Isn't Facebook all that? 
Yeah, but it was, I guess because, you know, MySpace wasn't really the highest of technology at that point. So, you know, you couldn't go on somebody's uh, page without it basically crashing your entire, you know, system. And <laughs> uh, it was, you know, everybody had a, had a song or a video or their picture scrolling. You're like, hey, wait a second. Am I just finding out where we're going tonight, or do I got to know your life story? So, yeah, it's funny enough that's what Facebook ended up becoming, but that's the short history of MySpace. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to be uh, doing something uh, for you guys, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming up, we're going uh, to have a lot of stuff coming down the pike. We're going to be announcing that very, very soon. And, of course, having Raven a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.